0: Hello, brothers and sisters. This is the Solidarity Podcast from Teamsters Local 769. I'm Brian Besbiotti, but everybody calls me Bez. And we have a end-of-year wrap-up show for you here. We have so many things going on in the local union that we're going to jump right into the news. And then, as promised, we're going to have some highlights from our annual steward seminar that took place this past summer. Let's take care of the usual housekeeping first. Please rate and review our podcast on whichever platform you listen to the show on, and be sure to spread the word about the podcast to all of our members. We can't say this enough. We'd love to hear your feedback and questions, so reach out to us on social media, email us at podcast at TeamstersLocal769.org, or call our Solidarity Podcast voicemail line at 786-456-7936. Leave us a nice voicemail or ask a good question, and we may even use your audio in an upcoming episode. Let's begin with some news.
1: This is Sean Bryson from uh, UPS
0: Hialeah, and you're listening to the Solidary Podcast. Among the big news in December is a tentative agreement at United Airlines. And after conducting proposal meetings throughout the region, our UPS members look forward to negotiations in 2023. We recently wrapped up our annual toy drive, and this year was bigger than ever. Our members really stepped it up, and on behalf of the children who receive toys, we say thank you. Here are some other updates. On Tuesday, September 6, 2022, Teamsters at Indian River County ratified a new two year agreement with significant improvements over its predecessor. In addition to significant wage increases, workers will see increased allowances for safety boots, increased shift differential, additional time to file a grievance, improved jury duty language, greater job opportunities, and many improvements related to time off. On Saturday, November 5, 2022, Teamsters Local 769 held our annual union picnic at Markham Park in Sunrise, Florida. While it had been some time since our previous picnic due to the pandemic, The attendance was proof that members were happy with the event's return and a good time was had by all who attended. In addition to food, music, and fun, members also had opportunities to pick up some union merch or get a flu shot at the team care tent. Download our smartphone app and be sure to allow notifications so you can stay up to date with all of the union events planned for the future. On Wednesday, November 15, 2022, Airline shop stewards from all over the state came together in Orlando, Florida, for training specific to their industry and operating under the Railway Labor Act. Stewards received guidance from IBT airline industry leaders and local union officers and agents, and also participated in programs conducted by the IBT Training and Development Department. Teamsters Local 769 hosted our annual golf tournament on Saturday, November 19, 2022, and the event was a big success. The tournament is the primary source of income for our scholarship fund benefiting the children of Teamsters Local 769 members. If you know of a member with children entering college, be sure they are aware of the scholarship program and that they take advantage of this important benefit. Look in your smartphone app or visit our website for more information. And finally, congratulations to DHL Express maintenance workers who voted overwhelmingly on November 23rd to join the Teamsters. We already represent numerous classifications at DHL, so they look forward to a day when they can work under a strong union contract like their brothers and sisters. We'll be back after this.
1: Hey Teamster members! Are you aware of all the benefits of your Teamster membership? Your Teamster privilege entitles you to members-only savings on everything from renting a car to sending a bouquet of flowers. All U.S. Teamster members and their immediate families are eligible to receive savings on legal services, entertainment discounts, car and truck rental discounts, credit counseling, flower and gift basket discounts, and interstate moving discounts. For more information on these and other benefits to your Teamster membership, visit TeamstersLocal769.org slash solidarity and click on the benefits tab on the right side of the page.
0: As I mentioned in the intro, Teamsters Local 769 conducted our 2022 Steward Seminar on July 30th in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Over 130 stewards attended from all over our jurisdiction to hear from numerous guest speakers and Teamster educators who were here to provide stewards with tools and information to make them even stronger in the workplace. Teamsters Local 769 Secretary Treasurer Rolly Pena kicked things off. Good morning, everyone.
2: Welcome to Teamsters Local 769 Steward Seminar. My name is Rolly Pena. I've Been a member of Local 769 for close to 36 years. I've done just about everything that that a person can do at, at our local union with the support of you guys here in the room, the stewards and the remainder of the staff. This is an event that we look forward to holding. And unfortunately, this is just one of those other casualties of the COVID situation that we had to stop for a while because obviously it's a large group of us together in a little bit of a confined space. So out of the welfare for all our stewards and our staff, we haven't had this in a couple of years. And I want to personally thank every shop steward. It's a thankless job. And we want to say thank you, because without you, we would not be successful. And without you, it would make it extremely difficult to represent all of our members.
0: Teamsters Local 769 president and principal officer, Josh Zivilich, went deeper into the importance of the role stewards have and what it means to the labor movement
3: overall. Good morning. morning. This is a good look. We got a lot of people here. That's a great, great sign. (laughs) And we're doing well. The labor movement is doing well. And the reason, in my opinion, that we're doing that and that we're seeing some success is the work that you all do. People believe in their union. They see results.
0: After briefing stewards on the agenda for the day, Josh introduced the guest speakers, but stressed that all in attendance were there to learn, including officers and agents of the
3: union. This seminar is about improving us. It's improving ourselves, right? We've we've got to know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong as a local union, right? We need you all to let us know that, right? But conversely, take a look at yourself and see, hey, what can I do for my coworkers? What can I do better? And then how does the organization improve? That's something that we're committed to, and we'll always remain committed to that.
0: In September 2022, the Teamsters formally launched a division dedicated to organizing Amazon. But one of the guest speakers at the Steward Seminar began his journey as an
3: organizer long before that. Next gentleman I want to introduce, I mentioned earlier, somebody who's very visionary with regard to the growth of our union. He's the director of organizing for Joint Council 42 in Southern California. He's also secretary-treasurer of Local 1932 in San Bernardino. And he is the leader of the IBT's Amazon campaign and and the fight to organize Amazon as I referenced in Randy Corrigan from local 1932
4: Morning sisters and brothers Let's try that again morning sisters and brothers All right, are we proud to be teamsters? Let's try that one more time. Are we proud to be teamsters? All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, appreciate the introduction. Uh, I'm gonna talk at length uh, in a little bit, uh, but the first thing I'd like to do is thank the local union uh, and everybody uh, for inviting me out to speak. Also, I uh, wanna thank uh, all of you for the work you do every day. I'm sorry that your employer doesn't thank you properly enough most of the time uh, and takes you for granted each and every day. Uh, It's hard work every single day uh, to go to work and do the things uh, that need to be done to keep this country moving in a positive direction and make sure that individuals have what they need and the services that they may need in their local communities and many of you coach baseball and participate in PTA and and you make your community strong Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. That's what unions are all about. Uh, We're not these things that have been villainized uh, by the public in corporate America over the last, uh, uh, you know, like five decades. Uh, And we're gonna talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. And uh, uh, again, I wanna thank you. It's hard work. I appreciate, I personally appreciate it. I know your leadership does. They wouldn't be doing something like this if they didn't. Uh, But also remind yourself to thank somebody around you too for the hard work that they do every day. In a culture that we have where everybody wants to fight with each other and scream at each other on Facebook uh, and all that crazy stuff that goes on from time to time, uh, there's more kindness in, in, in people and one another than there is anger. Uh, you just have to reach out and show them that you appreciate them. And you'd be surprised at what people will do when you appreciate them. They will get out and help, and we can get a lot done together when we do that. I'm going to just... Introduce myself briefly, because we're running behind schedule, as I can see. Uh, My name is Randy Corgan. I am from Southern California. Uh, I am the principal officer of a local union. It's about 14,000 members that we organized from scratch. The the local union was not in existence prior to 2015. uh, And I have been part of organizing for a very long time. That started as a result of me starting working when I was 11 years old. Had a very challenged situation growing up. I had to, my brother and I had to get in the workforce right away to help, you know, pay rent and do what we had to do. Uh, and fortunately, right when I turned 18, uh, because I was a lumper as a teenager and in the middle of the night before we go to school, we'd go lump uh, on the dock, make a little bit of money, go to work. Fortunately, it was a Teamster facility. Of course, I wasn't a Teamster until I turned 18. Uh, that's when the uh, I got hired, a foreman uh, hired, was able to get me hired at the company. Went to work for the local union at 22 years old uh, because I was already organizing a few workers, and they said, hey, man, this guy's, you know, they're organizing some workers, might as well pay him to do it. Uh, And then now, you know, I'm an old guy uh, standing around (laughs) telling war stories, I guess. Uh, But it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to help give back to an organization that saved my life.
0: Later in the program, Randy explained the threat that Amazon poses to all Teamsters and our way of life.
4: The first thing I'd like to do is thank the local union uh, and everybody uh, for inviting me out to speak, Uh, myself and Liana Dalton, who is uh, my partner in crime.
1: So yeah, oh, sorry, you were gonna
4: do that. She was gonna take the mic for me, I'm good with it. (laughs) Liana, Liana, for those of you who don't know, Liana, Sean, and a few others were the architects to what we've put together here a few years back. And there's a few of us that are, I guess, you know, we can, we can just trade off and talk through and you're going to see us do that here in the next uh, 40 minutes or so. And so, how many here, raise your hand, if you think the growth of Amazon doesn't affect you? Raise your hand if you think it does not affect you. All right. All right. It's very true. Isn't it crazy what they have purchased? They want to turn the transportation industry. Let's just talk about that part. They want to turn it into what happened to bookstores. It's a fact. There are not a lot of bookstores left, are there? They want to be the end-all be-all to transportation, just like they want to be the end-all be-all to everything. Amazon's proliferation in all these industries is extremely dangerous. The Teamsters Union has got a more than 100 year tradition in the transportation industry. Our members, our members, sacrificed to build this industry, worked hard over the last hundred and twenty five plus years to build this industry, to create good middle class jobs. And Amazon wants to invest billions of dollars to destroy that. They want to turn these jobs into what we can see, instead of it being a good middle-class job or someone can afford to purchase a home, they can have a pathway to retirement, they have great health care for their family, they can be a, a, a positive connection to their community. Instead of it being that, they want it to be this high turnover, high pace, maybe two, three years working somewhere. Can you find me a worker that worked at Amazon in 2012 in a warehouse that still works there? That's yeah, pretty tough, but if you find me someone that worked at UPS in 2012, we can probably pencil out exactly how much they make, when they bought their home, when they bought a new car, how well they're doing in the community, comparatively speaking. And that we can do that with, a, say, a grocery company or, Postal Service, or any of the other cadre of companies that they that they compete with.
1: yeah. Alright, thanks. So just wanted to share a couple of statistics that kind of ground all of this that we're going to be talking about, and I think everyone, since no one raised their hand, everyone in this room is pretty clear on the threat that Amazon poses, right? But let's just put some numbers to it. So, who all here worked during the pandemic was deemed an essential worker, right? So, let's think about what has happened to amazon and what has that meant for bezos during the pandemic so before the pandemic um, amazon's uh, market capitalization or essentially the worth of the company was about 850 billion dollars so it was the third largest company behind microsoft they had around 500,000 employees worldwide that does not include their subcontracted drivers because they do not call them employees even though they control all pretty much all the aspects of their work um, and they had about 400 facilities. So then we went through the worst pandemic of our lifetimes. Amazon workers, just as yourselves, were out there um, putting ourselves on the line, working hard to make sure that folks got the um, materials, the goods and the necessary supplies that everyone needed. Amazon, of course, abused that. So what does that meant for Bezos and for Amazon? Now, Amazon's uh, market cap is over 1.17 trillion, and I think it actually just went up in the last couple of days again. They have over 1.6 million employees, so that's even more than the entire membership of the Teamsters, um, and they have over 1,000 facilities. So you can see uh, they also um, make up um, all, more than uh, 50% of um, retail uh, online retail in the United States. So I think uh, the the threat is very clear. The numbers show that Amazon really exploited this pandemic to get become richer and richer, become even more powerful, and become even more of a threat to um, workers, to you know what Teamsters have fought for for decades, as Randy said. But then also uh, to the working class as a whole, and to people who uh, are communities, right? And so people are fighting back. Um, so. This is just, um, this is actually from investors, but I think it just is a good visual to show. um, This is the US package market share by carrier uh, projected by 2025. And so, you know, Amazon just started building out their own last mile logistics. They were mostly dependent on uh, UPS, FedEx, until FedEx dropped them, and then the postal service, right? To get their packages out to customers, Um, but now as by 2025, 20, uh, um, these investors um, or these sort of anal- industry analysts um, anticipate that Amazon logistics will make up 35% of the package delivery industry. So who's seen an increase of like the delivery Amazon Prime vans in your neighborhood or the step trucks? Yeah, everyone's seen that? So. Um, have you talked to any of the drivers about what their conditions are, what they make? Oh, okay, so yeah, they're in such a rush, they're under so much pressure that, you know, they're they're and you can talk to them. They're not getting the same type of training that uh, we do. They're just forced out there with a ton of packages at the risk of losing their jobs if they don't make that right. Um, and also, they're subcontracted, so Amazon puts all the pressure on them, all the responsibility on them, but doesn't take any of the responsibility for what happens to them back on Amazon as itself, right? And so they're getting paid. This is just an ad that we found for Miami um, that's advertising $16.50 an hour. So how does that make you feel, especially UPS dru- package car drivers in the room, how does that make you feel to see that Amazon drivers are making $16.50 an hour and they're not getting the same type of health benefits and they're not getting any kind of retirement? So they're driving down industry standards. So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, for over 68 counties where large Amazon facilities were open, the average compensation for the entire industry declined by more than 6% two years after Amazon opened. So they're not just having the impact on these drivers, they're also having the impact on all of us and all other workers in the industry, right? And so um, this, the company is. So
4: Isn't that their goal? Why? Why would it be their goal?
1: So that they can wipe out, as you said, wipe out all the competition who actually wants to respect their workers and pay them a living wage, right? So um, they also have um, unprecedentedly high injury rates. So this is just a um, thing that shows Amazon workers actually had more than double the industry average for their industries in terms of injury rates. So essentially their model is bring people in, churn through them. When they get injured, throw them out to the curb, right? And so they also have, because of these high injury rates and low wages, they also have really, really high turnover rates. So uh, one of the studies done, this was back in 2019, so the data probably needs to be updated. It's kind of hard to get exact numbers, but they showed over 150% turnover. So they're churning through people Treating you as numbers. I used to work there. I know what it means when people say I feel like a number. I feel like I'm a robot, not a worker. Like, that's for real. They told me, my manager, when my work coworkers and I came to him and tried to say, like, let's actually, some things that would actually make the operation more efficient, but it would also make it safer and easier on us. My manager literally said that's a decision for corporate. That's above your pay grade. They want you to turn your brain off when you come into this facility warehouse, right? That's what they told my coworkers and I when we were giving them a real decision. So this is the type of mentality that they have. So low wages that are driving down industry standards, exorbitantly high injury rates that are hurting workers and high turnover rates. So I have a question as teamsters, are we going to accept this? No. No. Hell no, right? And so that so we got to um start to talk about What does this mean for our Teamster jobs, right? So I'm gonna pass it back to Randy. So
4: before we move on to this slide, let's reflect for a second on the injury rates. And there's actually rates to where it's as high as four times the industry average, depending on what part of the Amazon operation. And that's incredible. So let's talk about a worker at 18, 19 years old. I think of myself at 18 years old. I think of myself at like 15, 16, working on that dock I talked about earlier. And then I'm like, oh man, you know, so I can make this much when I turn 18. I can get an apartment. I can do this. I can do that. And I get hurt. And now my career trajectory has been smashed. Not, not a bump. It's over. A lot of these workers, they're not. They're they're now completely poisoned on the industry, if not hurt to where they can't work in the industry anymore. That is the real effect on what's happening to people, especially young people, you know, that are just entering the workforce. And so there's this gonna be this long problem to that, uh, that where they're really hurting communities on a large way and we're finding by having these discussions with local elected officials and decision makers that they actually wanna do something about that. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. And so clearly, you know, what's in store for the future of our members? Uh, when we look at their build out and the 100,000 Riven electric vans and Prime trucks being everywhere, and you know, one of the things I, I try to tell people is, if you really want to see Amazon's footprint, just drive into a residential neighborhood, park your car, and sit there for a few hours. And watch. Yeah, or just an hour. And you will see the difference. It used to always be the brown truck, the postal service or the white and blue. It's what it used to be. And then you'd get some comic carriers and get a little, maybe a freight person come through and make a delivery every now and then. But for the most part, those are your three dominant individuals in the in the residential neighborhood. It is completely flipped. These trucks you see and cars, somebody pull up in the car and out of the trunk, run into the doorstep and dropping some, dropping some packages off the door and running back to their personal vehicle and then driving off to the next location. Like, there's this dominance that's been spread out in the industry in every neighborhood, and they're obviously trying to buy all the equipment that they can on the face of the planet to have the infrastructure to just take over transportation. So, in the next slide, you see wages uh, in the industry. This is shocking how fast this is flipped. This is shocking on what's going on with workers in this industry. You want to take a
1: Yeah, so this um, particular graph is actually for uh, the delivery package delivery industry. So for all our DHL, UPS, package car, et cetera drivers, this is um, the red line actually shows the employment in the total industry. And then uh, this is from government data, too. Then the blue line shows average wages. So you can actually see. So when Amazon in 2013, Amazon, they had this fiasco where they, you know, couldn't get their packages all delivered on time. There was like, um, and so they started to build out their own last mile logistics at that time, but they really increased it in 2018. So you can see that inflection point right there. There's a direct correlation as Amazon starts to rapidly increase their own last mile subcontracted logistics, wages in the industry for Delivery start to plummet, right? Average take-home wage. So it's impacting everyone in the entire industry and even the basic government data show that effect. This is for warehousing. So it's not just delivery drivers, it's also in warehousing. We see exactly the same trends. So again, red line is employment, blue line is average take-home wage, uh, adjusted for inflation. And you can see that same inflection point around 2017, 2018 as Amazon really, really starts to scale. So I think just this just shows a very clear visual of what we're talking about here.
4: And you can see uh, the industry has done a good job with its corporate message of devaluing this job. Clearly, the statistics show that You know, back in the day, you know, getting out of high school or whatever, you know, you can go to work in a warehouse and it's a middle-class job. You know, even non-union was was that way. But for whatever reason, warehouse jobs, I mean, there's not whatever reason, there's some specific reasons for it. And we're looking at one of them, have been devalued over the last couple decades. As production uh, ramped down, went somewhere else, then warehousing was the replacement for production. Then the contingent workforce temporary agencies exploded in size and then completely devalued the job to almost saying, well, warehouse jobs, that's a that's like a transition job. That's that's a job that you know you're not gonna be in for very long. I think we've as Teamsters, we all know that many people work their entire career in that industry. And unfortunately they've gotten away with it, and now guess what's happened? You know, Now, all of a sudden, it's not a middle class job, by and large, in the non-union sector, which obviously puts us at a completely complete disadvantage. Okay, some people say, well, they're just handling packages. Look at the growth in, in their middle mile and bulk delivery. This would be like our feeder operation or our LTL stuff um, in freight. That's a 790% growth rate. We haven't been able to put our fingers on the numbers from 2021 yet. We're 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 hoping that the same thing doesn't happen. This this ability to be able to flip this switch on in the middle mile and bulk delivery is problematic. They're building that network up too.
1: This is the, just the map of just Amazon's last mile facilities in um, sort of the Florida and Georgia area. And so I just wanted to give everyone an. These are the ones where the vans operate out of, where they're delivering packages. So Amazon provides a huge threat, but it also provides us with a huge opportunity to build the type of worker power in this industry that we haven't seen since the 1930s, right? We're in another moment. We're coming out of the pandemic. We're coming out of... Um, You know, workers are not just accepting what corporate America is throwing at us anymore, right? And it's not just union workers, it's non-union workers as well. So I want to just give this to show that Amazon workers are fed up. They're rising up, they're organizing already, they're starting to build power in their workplaces. Workers are starting to build power on the shop floor, take action, and demand something better from Amazon.
4: How many of you here just learned some new statistical value to the situation? Raise your hand. Oh, I think everybody raise their hand. So that first point of member education on the threat of Amazon and really getting to understand all the intricacies and understand its threats and understand the statistics, is, is just we need to have that information at, when we're communicating with somebody, whether we're in my position or um, I'm, I'm a package car driver or I'm a community person or I'm an elected official. We should all know this information. We should all understand how Amazon is negatively impacting our communities and our jobs in the middle class. We need to engage our membership and coworkers in the community. The way we're going to do that effectively is to set up some trainings. So I've talked to Josh. We've got a couple dates. How many of you will show up to a training on how to communicate with workers in this industry and the general public and community leaders when we do a training here, raise your hand if you're gonna be there. Will you join us in that effort? Please, raise your hand high. If you can't make it because you got a commitment. All right, can you bring somebody? Oh, come on, will you be there, yes or no? All right, thank you guys. With that, I'm gonna introduce uh, uh, the next person, which is Dennis Hauer. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, the next, uh, The next person is Dennis Hauer. He's a co-director of training and development. He does a great job. I appreciate all the work. He's been a a great advocate for myself and a number of people that we work around. Dennis Hauer.
5: Morning, sisters and brothers. As Randy said, my name is Dennis Hauer. Um, I'm the co-director of the training and development department. I'm here with my co-worker, The Southern Region Coordinator, Ileana Flores. Say hello to Ileana. She'll be working um, with you uh, this afternoon on the Railway Labor Act and some of the airline uh, issues that we have. Um, I will be teaching the legal framework of collective bargaining. Um, But first I wanna thank you. Uh, I I, I see you adjusting your watch, Josh, I'll I'll be quick. Um, I wanna thank Josh for, for coming out. I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania. And as I like to say, if you've heard the Billy Joel song, it doesn't suck that bad. Um, but I do like to come to Florida and see palm trees and uh, although I didn't see any yesterday because my flight was a, a disaster. Um, and I always say to Josh, December, January, have me down here because I hate snow and I would like to come to Miami, but he brings me down in July. So um, listen, we, we have a great partnership. I've known Josh for a long time um, and, you know, really it's just part of the networking that we've, we've done. Josh is one of the first people I've ever met when I, when I first came into this uh, organization helped me out in, on some political stuff way back when. I didn't have any gray hair back then, it was, uh, but yeah, Josh and I have known each other a long time and I do appreciate the assistance that we've gotten out of his local, even up in Pennsylvania, and I hope you uh, appreciate the reciprocation that we do down here. So, um, I don't wanna hold you up any day, we, got, we gotta get rolling, so I will see you hopefully later.
3: Enjoy your day, thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Dennis, and thank you, Ileana. Our next speakers are from the law firm that we have had a relationship for a number of years, and they're gonna do a presentation about just cause and grievance procedure. Howard Suskind and Marcus Braswell, Caroline Quinn and Madison Levine. Many of you have worked with them through the years, so Marcus, Howard, Caroline and Madison, you have the floor.
6: Thank you, officers, for inviting us. Uh, We have prepared a good program for you dealing uh, mostly with grievance and arbitration and maybe a couple of side issues, as well as Josh has mentioned. uh, We have represented the local for a number of years and have gotten a great deal of pleasure out of meeting many of you, uh, old faces and new faces as well. So uh, I'm going to invite Marcus, my partner Marcus Braswell, our newest lawyers, Caroline Quinn, Madison Levine, uh, who have put together the program for you. And Josh, I'd like to leave a few minutes at the end for questions. Remember, you as stewards are the first ones to find out about potential grievances, whether they're disciplinary or, or contract violations. So your participation in the grievance procedure is absolutely required, necessary, and important. So Marcus, if you wanna start the program. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Marcus Braswell. Oh, you don't have to shout it back at me.
4: And as Howard said, we're here from Sugarman, Suskind, Braswell, and Herrera. I'm a proud Teamster lawyer. It's been um, a pleasure for me in my entire career going back to the last century Uh, To represent this local, I know your leadership from the first days that I was an attorney. And it's been steady and solid, and they're smart folks, they're tough-minded folks. And it's just been uh, a real professional uh, accomplishment for me, I believe, to have been involved with an organization like this uh, for, it'll be a quarter century soon, (laughs) believe it or not.
0: It was really an informative and educational day for all. Our stewards really were pleased, and everybody seemed to get a lot out of the program.
3: This is Dan Allen. I'm a steward in the West Palm Beach building. I'm also the grievance coordinator. My recap of the shop steward seminar, what I took back the most of was Amazon's total dominance of market share. It was shocking. It was informative. And it gave me a good perspective on what we might need to be focusing on in the years coming. My name is Randy Wade. I'm the shop steward up in Fort Lauderdale. I attended the shop steward meeting. It was very informative, very uh, uh, educational. I got to meet a lot of uh, uh, important guys. Um, One of the classes that I I sat in was a shop steward class, and they gave us some very important information on how to do our grievances, so it was very information, very, very important information.
4: This is Josh Joseph from the Hialeah Theater Department. I thought the breakout sessions with Jim Gookin and Jim Sherling were extremely beneficial to all the stewards, very informative. They did an amazing job of giving stewards insight and in how to help the members.
0: We'll be back after this. Attention all Teamsters Local 769 members. Do you know that you can always have a copy of your contract in the palm of your hand? Do you know that you can have easy access to union benefits and discounts right when you need them? Do you want to have up-to-the-minute news and alerts specific to your worksite and employer? Well, you're in luck. The Teamsters Local 769 Smartphone app is available for download now for iOS and Android. Just download the app, register, and after your membership status is confirmed, you are immediately a more powerful union member. With a virtual ID card for contactless check-in at union events, and the ability to take immediate action on political issues facing our union, you'll have these and more powerful tools to protect your rights in the workplace and maximize the benefit of your membership. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and search Teamsters769. Download it today and never again be caught without the power of knowing your rights. For more information and support, visit TeamstersLocal769.org slash app. As always... Teamsters Local 769 Solidarity Podcast is produced by the officers and staff of Local 769, including Josh Zivilich, Roly Pina, and Steve Myers, with contributions by Local 769 business agents and by me, Brian Bespia. We encourage you to visit our website at teamsterslocal769.org/solidarity. There you will find show notes and additional info, as well as links to our social media pages. You can also email us at podcast at TeamstersLocal769.org or you can leave us a voicemail at 786-456-7936. If you leave us a message we can use, we may include your comment or answer your question in an upcoming episode. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts and we encourage you to tell our sisters and brothers about the show as well. Our theme song, The Vendetta, was composed by Stefan Kartenberg and additional music titled Onion Capers by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com were used in this episode, both licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. Until next time, remember, in unity there is strength. Bye, folks.